Amen. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to worship here at Southwinds. We are so very grateful that you are here today, and pray God's blessing on you as you've joined us to worship. Um, I went to the dentist this week, and I had to confess. I had to confess as I laid there flat on my back, my mouth wide open, profoundly ashamed of myself, the mask hygienist above me, that bright dental light shining down from the throne of dental judgment. Um, I had to confess, forgive me, for I have failed to floss. I know, I know, flossing is good for my health, it's good for my teeth, I know I'm supposed to do it, but faithful flossing is hard. Uh, My spirit is willing, but my flossing flesh is weak. I was thinking about that um, later this week as I got ready for Sunday, and I thought, you know, for a lot of us, we kind of approach prayer like flossing. We know we should do it. We know it's good for us. We know the pastor says it's supposed to happen in our lives, but when I tried to do it, I, you know, I struggle with it. I don't really understand it, and so I'll do it, but I just got to get it done. I just got to get it over with so I can move on to something else. And prayer can become for us kind of a dry duty. I just want to say as we are into this series, the second week now, and going through talking about how we are to talk to God, I hope that you will begin to see prayer differently if that's how you've seen it. I hope that you will not see it as a dry duty, but I hope that you will begin to see prayer as an opportunity for you to meet with your best friend ever. And when you begin to think like that, that sort of mindset changes everything about prayer. You see, I want you to know that this series is not intended to make you feel guilty. And I say that because I know that when I say pray, as a pastor, some of you wince and you begin thinking, oh no, I'm gonna feel guilty this whole series because I know I don't pray enough. There are some of you, many of you, if I were to go to you after the service and ask you, how's your prayer life, even if it's pretty good, you would probably only say, well, it could be better. That's just kind of how we approach it. Too many of us feel guilty about prayer. Too many of us feel confused about prayer. Often we feel ashamed about prayer. We don't know how to pray or we just feel like we don't pray enough and we find ourselves sometimes only praying at the last minute, you know, like emergency prayers you know, in case of emergency, break glass and pray. And, and when we hear a pastor say pray, it just feels like duty. It just feels like guilt. But that's not what should happen. And what I hope that you will begin to see through this series, I hope you're already sensing it. I hope you will sense it more is that when we talk about prayer, it's, it's really about helping us understand how much God loves us. And I really think it, the more you grow in this awareness of how much God loves you, the more you will find yourself praying. Praying naturally. Praying beautifully. Praying regularly. Now, why would I care about your prayer life, whether you pray or not? Well, for one thing, I don't know if you know this or not, but prayer is good for you. 
There's all kinds of research out there, these double-blind studies that have been done on the issue of prayer. A Harvard Medical School study a few years ago showed that when you pray, your heart rate slows, your blood pressure goes down, your breathing becomes calmer. It's just good for you. There was a University of Pennsylvania study that showed that prayer and meditation increases dopamine levels in your brain. In other words, you don't have to run 10 miles. You can just pray and you know, you're going to feel so much better. There was a National Institutes of Health study that showed that people who pray daily are 40% less likely to have high blood pressure than those who don't. I mean, prayer's good for you. And then I'll just throw this one in. It's kind of interesting to me. According to a Brandeis University study in 2008, 5% of atheists pray. Now, that may just kind of throw you for a minute. You may not know what to do with that, but that's what the study showed. And they talked to one of them, and he said, well, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in the research that shows that praying to God is good for you, so I do. <laughs> well, prayer is good for you, but more than that, uh, we pray because God, our Heavenly Father, tells us we should pray and we want to live in obedience to our Heavenly Father. And we know that our Heavenly Father wants to have a relationship with us. And so I'm approaching this topic with this assumption. We all, I believe, really want to pray. We all wish that we could pray more. And so therefore, what I think most of us most need is encouragement and help in practically understanding what prayer is about and how we can pray. And so that's what we're really going to be doing. We've already started this last week with Jesus teaching on what we call the Lord's Prayer. And to add to that this week, I want you to see some very practical steps on how you can talk to God. And I'm just calling this five things to do when you pray. Because struggling with prayer is really nothing new. This has always been the case for followers of God. Jesus' disciples, uh, you know, came to him one day and and said, teach us to pray, because they had looked around, and they had seen, and their religious leaders, you know, all they did was this inauthentic, often rambling, formulaic, used lots of pious words kind of praying. And so they said to Jesus, we're not sure we know how to pray. Could you teach us to pray like you pray? And that's what we're talking about today. How do you do it? Is there some formula are there certain words you always have to use? Is there a certain way you start or end a prayer? Does it count if you forget to say in Jesus' name or amen at the end? Um, you know, you ever wonder about what kind of posture you're supposed to use when you pray? Do you kneel? Do you get on your face? Do you stand up? Can you sit down? Is there like a certain place where God hears prayer better, you know, where he just gets better reception? You know, there's some places you go and it's going to be five bars, 5G, LTE. God hears what you're saying. See, all of those kind of questions are involved in praying, but they're really not at the heart of it. So today we're going to walk through five things that we can all learn about prayer that should be part of all of our lives, however we practice prayer. And I want us to start with some words that Jesus gave to his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. They should be fairly familiar words to many of us, and I want us to read them out loud all together, okay? So let's look at Matthew 7, 7 through 11, and we read God's word together. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, these are Jesus' words, and I want you to write this down, a couple of insights that are important to have in mind. Jesus invites me to pray, first of all. Jesus invites you to ask and seek and knock, and he promises that those who ask will receive, that those who seek will find, that those who knock will have doors opened. And next, Jesus, we see in these verses, wants to respond to my prayers, Jesus tells us that God is like a loving father and he will never give us anything that will damage us. In fact, even when we think we're asking for bread, but it's really a stone, or we think we're asking for a fish, but it's really a snake, God knows how to give us what we really need. See, we need to be aware that prayer is central to spiritual life. But we also need to be reminded that prayer doesn't just happen. Prayer requires effort. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work on your part if you want to have an alive life of prayer. It's also true that every Christ follower needs to be growing in the practice of prayer, to just be developing this habit of talking to prayer. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, whether you haven't ever prayed at all or you pray a little bit or you pray some or you pray a lot, that you should be on this path of growing in this practice of prayer, developing and deepening an active habit of talking to God. And in the end, that is all prayer really is. It's just talking to God. So how do we do it? Well, here's the first thing. When you pray, just be honest. Wouldn't you agree that honesty is important in all relationships? I mean, I think we all know that because none of us likes it when a family member or a friend or a coworker is not honest with us. Don't you think that God wants honesty from you? I was thinking this week about a very profound uh, theological movie called National Lampoon Vacation. And <laughs> I remembered this part of this story. And some of you who've seen this movie, no one's going to ask you to confess to whether or not you've watched it. But uh, in part of this story, a character named Aunt Edna dies. And the family doesn't want the dead body in the car, so they strap her to the roof. And <laughs> then it starts raining. And when they get to where they're going, there's no one home, and so they decide they're going to leave her out back because they want to get to Wally World. And, and so the truth is no one liked Edna. She was a horrible person. She was harsh. She was abrasive. She made their vacation miserable. But I want you to listen to how they pray before they just leave her body out back in the rain. We can't leave her on the patio. Would you rather I slipped her in the night deposit box at the funeral home? Come on. It's raining all over her. She can't catch a cold now, Mom. Clark, we have to at least say something. Okay, bow your heads, bow your heads. Oh, God. Ease our suffering in this our moment of great despair. Yea, admit this good and decent woman into thine arms and the flock in thine heavenly area up there. And Moab, he laid its down bind at the band of the Canaanites. And, yea, though the Hindus speak of karma, 
Clark. I implore you, give her, give her a break. Clark. Barukata. Honey, I'm not an ordained minister. I'm doing my best, okay? Lord, we love this woman with all our hearts. Let's not overdo it, Mom. Shut up. We know she deserves better than this. But my husband wants his beloved family to get to Wally World to have their vacation. I hope you understand. Have mercy on his soul. Hey, man, let's go. Oh. Come on. I hope at least you kids have learned something about life and death. Yeah, don't die unless somebody's home. So can we be honest? Have any of us ever approached prayer kind of like that, saying things that we know aren't true, that we know God knows aren't true? We're just not being honest. And part of growing in prayer is realizing that God is just interested in having an authentic, honest relationship with him. And so when we get into a conversation with him, he wants us to be honest with him. He just wants us to express the way we feel. And if you read the Bible, you see this so many times. David did this all the time. He wrote so many of these Psalms in the Old Testament, and a lot of the Psalms that he wrote are, are really essentially journal entries. It's David writing down his prayers to God. Let me just show you one, just one uh, from Psalm 22 where David is pouring his heart out to God. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anybody ever ask God that? He says, why do you remain so distant? Why do you ignore my cries for help? Anybody ever felt like that? Have you ever said that to God? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. You heard other people's prayers. You heard their cries for help and saved them. They put their trust in you and were never disappointed, but not me. He says, I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Anybody ever prayed a prayer like that to God? And if you say no, let me just ask you, why not? Every one of us has felt like that at one time or another. See, God is saying to us, be honest to me, open up. We can talk about everything, anything, anytime, anywhere. God says, if you need to pray a why me prayer, then pray a why me prayer. If you need to be brutally honest about the anger that is in your heart, be brutally honest about it. If you need to be brutally honest about the grief you feel, about the disappointment and disillusionment you feel, then be brutally honest. God can take it. God already knows anyway. And he wants to develop an honest relationship with you. You know, it's really a fascinating study to read the Bible and pay careful attention to the prayers of God's people through the Bible. They will not be what you think so many times. You, you can read prayers of people like Jeremiah the prophet. And Jeremiah accuses God of lying to him. That's a prophet. You'll read prayers where the psalmist says, God, I've been good, and it's been a total waste of time, a total waste of effort. You bless everyone but me. Look it up, Psalm 73. Read through the book of Job, and you see God uh, hearing from Job. Job is saying, God wronged me, God attacked me, God is ignoring me. And all these men are doing what the Bible tells God's people to do. They're doing what Psalm 62.8 tells us to do, 
Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Those people, they're just honestly pouring their hearts out to God. And this is where you need to begin. When you pray, just be honest. And if you're honest, what you will find is that God shows up and God gets honest with you. God gets real with you. And you experience prayer, what it means to talk to God. Here's the second thing. When you pray, uh, what you do, you keep it simple. One day, Jesus picked up a little kid and said, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is all about, then take a look at this child. God is into simplicity. God loves childlike faith. And this just reminds us, when we pray, we don't need to come with these huge prayers, with this eloquent language. We just come to God like a child, and we talk to God, and we say, God, I just want to come to you as your child and talk to you right now. We keep it simple. If you were here last week, we, we looked at uh, Jesus' teaching in the Lord's Prayer, and we saw that the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they used lots of pious, religious-sounding words. And Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 6, 5, and 6, and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Just keep it simple. See, we we talked about the Lord's Prayer, which is the greatest example of prayer ever. Last week, we we went through it, but I want you to hear it again. And this time, what I want you to be thinking about is how simple it is. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The greatest prayer ever takes like less than 30 seconds to pray. And Jesus is just saying, just keep it simple. Just thank God for who he is. Just pray that God's love and goodness would flow out through you to the entire world. Just ask him that your daily needs would be met. Just ask him for help with your daily struggles. Just keep it simple. Sometimes we can keep it simple by writing down our prayers. This is something that I do regularly that I would really recommend that you you journal your prayers. Uh, This helps you to focus. It helps you to keep your, your thoughts kind of flowing as you, you write out your prayers sometimes. Sometimes I like to use some tools that help me uh, keep things focused and moving along, keep things simple. One of those tools is this little acrostic that many of you are aware of. It's called the Acts of Prayer. It's A-C-T-S. And um, I, I'll, let me share it with you. I think it'll be a benefit to you. A stands for adoration. And it just reminds us that it's appropriate for us to enter God's courts with praise, that the focus of prayer begins with God. You know, we need to be careful. It's so easy for us to jump quickly to praying all about our needs before we stop and recognize God for who he is and tell God how much we love him and what it is we love about him and about the world that he created. You know, as a general rule, this is the best way to begin prayer. It's not a it's not a legalistic straitjacket. You don't have to do it this way every time. 
But as a general rule, it's good to pause and, and stop and reflect and say to yourself in prayer, God is God and I am not. And I just adore you, God, for your great power and holiness and wisdom. See, in adoration, I remind myself who God is and that shows me who I am and helps me to bow my heart and bow my mind and maybe even sometimes bow my body before him. C stands for confession, and confession is a vital part of praying. I, I tell God all the things I need to get out of my life. I say, God, I, I need to tell you about this. Now, you need to be reminded in confession, God's not taking notes. You're not informing God about something he's not aware of already. He already knows about your sin. But it is good for us to say, God, I, I need to talk to you about this because we need to get honest with ourselves. God, I, I just need to confess to you, I really blew up with my kids today, I shouldn't have done that, or whatever we did, or whatever we thought, however we acted, that sin, we bring that to God, because confession confronts me with my sin, and then I can ask God for his forgiveness, and then I can receive God's cleansing. Then T stands for thanksgiving. We should regularly thank God for all the good things in our lives. Thank God for the stuff that, here, here's the truth, that we would end up taking for granted if we don't stop to intentionally give God thanks. And again, this is a very simple thing. You just think of everything good in your life, whatever it is, from, from puppies to pepperoni pizza to, to putting on your underwear straight out of the dryer. That's everything good, you know? And that is good if you haven't done that. Um, you just thank him for everything good in life, the simple things in life. And, you know, I know you Southwinds. That's all some of you are going to get out of this message. You know, I don't know what he was saying about prayer, but I'm going to try that dryer thing. Um, well, S stands for supplication. And this is just praying for needs in your life, whatever they are, praying for practical things like your family, like your, your work, praying for personal things like, like feelings. It's praying for needs in other people's lives, things outside yourself. We, we call this intercession. It may be praying sometimes for people you've never met somewhere around the world, maybe praying for missionaries, maybe praying for people who are victims of disaster. I was thinking, you know, just what's ahead of us this week. Uh, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. We should be praying, as we mentioned last week, about issues of social justice in our world so we can pray about racial division. We pray about things like this. And then at the end of this week, there's going to be an inauguration. And some of us are happy about this and some of us are unhappy about this. But all of us as God's people need to be reminded that God's word says to us in 1 Timothy 2 that we are called to pray for those in leadership. And so we pray for all kinds of things. Supplication. Now, if you're trying to get jump-started in prayer, let me give you one more thing to write down. A simple thing you can do is pray God's word. Pray God's word. Now, there are times that I like to use some of the prayers of David in the Psalms to kind of get me jump-started into prayer. And I'll just tell you something. Whenever you're praying God's word, you know ahead of time that what you pray is in accordance with God's will, Right? And so you could pray something like Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Just pray those words to God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You can pray Ephesians 1.18 and ask God to enlighten the eyes of your heart. 
You can pray Philippians 2, 1 through 11 and say, God, keep me from being driven by envy and selfish ambition. Those things aren't any good. God, help me to have the attitude of Christ who humbled himself and became obedient to you, even to the point of death on the cross. You can pray those words. Start praying God's word, especially when you're not sure what you should say. And so first, we need to be honest. And second, we need to keep it simple. But there's a third thing. When you pray, come with humility. Come with humility. Jesus told a story in Luke 18, verses 10 through 14. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. And that's where we know he's getting off on the wrong foot. Prayer is not about yourself. He prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, we read the Gospels, and we read about the religious leaders of Jesus' day, how they like to dress in all their religious finery, and they, they would put on their prayer shawls, and they have these really fancy, elaborate prayers, and we kind of shake our heads at that, but we have our own versions of that today. We just need to be reminded that what God honors is humility. People who come before him every day, humble, not pretending to be something that they're not. And we just need to be reminded that to God, humility is a, a big deal, especially when it comes to prayer. It is a big deal. You should write this down. Prayer blocks your prayer life. Some of you, all, you know, you just have to hear if the Holy Spirit's saying this to you, but some of you, you're not having any progress in prayer, and the reason is your pride. Are you willing to ask God about that? Are you willing to listen to what God says about that? One time Jesus said, if you're bringing an offering to a worship service and you remember when you get there that someone else has something against you and you've got this grudge against them and there's this bitterness thing going on between you and your pride won't allow that relationship to be reconciled, Jesus says, you need to leave your gift. You need to leave worship and you need to go make it right. You need to get rid of the pride thing, at least as far as it depends on you. You need to take care of that before you come back and try to worship God. See, if our relationships with others aren't right, it blocks our prayer life and pride is so often the cause of that. We talked about that some last week in the Lord's Prayer. We read it again a few moments ago where Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we, what? also have forgiven our debtors. And I reminded you last week that Jesus wraps this prayer up by saying this. I'm gonna read it, uh, verse 14 from the message paraphrase this time. He says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. You see, if you refuse to do your part, if you pridefully say, I'm not gonna make it right, I won't let them off the hook, they don't deserve my forgiveness, 
You don't do your part, and how can you expect God to do his part, which is forgiving you? Because you're cutting yourself off from God's grace, God's part, when you do that. The Bible is so very clear. If we humble ourselves when we pray, then we can expect God to respond. Uh, I love what 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so we come before God in honesty. We, we keep things simple. We, we come with humility. And then fourth, when you pray, never quit praying. Jesus says when it comes to communicating with God, be persistent. He talks about this so many times. He says, never stop asking, never stop seeking, never stop knocking. Just keep talking to God. Let me show you a picture. Remember this guy? For about nine years, you know, we thought we'd never get rid of him. He was always showing up everywhere. You know, thank goodness for DVRs. You can skip the commercial. And you still know years after he stopped making these commercials what he said. The only thing he ever said, right? What did he say? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And he made millions of dollars saying, can you hear me now? Right? He just kept saying it. And I think there's a sense in which Jesus tells his people, do that when you pray. Keep saying to God, God, can you hear me now? God, can you hear me now? Let me read Matthew 7, 7, and 8 again, this time from the New Living Translation. It says, keep on asking. That is the sense of the Greek verb there. Keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is opened to everyone who knocks. See, God is telling us through his son, Jesus, that he wants us to ask and seek and knock every day. And it's not because we're trying to wear God down. We do it so that we can express our dependence on him every day. Do you understand that persistence in prayer is a sign of your dependence on God. If you just ask something once and then you just kind of go on your way and don't do anything about it again, even though you need it and you want God to do something about it, you're essentially saying, I can handle it myself. Persistence in prayer shows that we are depending on God. Persistence in prayer shows that we are believing that God will answer our prayers in the way he knows best. And sometimes... Our persistent prayers get answered in a way we never saw coming. I want to just ask you to think about something today. I'm wondering right now how many of you here right now, you believe that you are a Christ follower today because there was a mom, there was a dad, there was a grandma, there was a, a grandpa, there was a, a friend, or maybe it was one of your kids, and they were praying for you, and they kept praying for you, and they wouldn't stop praying for you, and finally God answered their prayer. How many of you believe you are a Christ follower because somebody prayed for you and wouldn't quit? Look across this room right now, friends. Now, here's the question I want to ask you, especially if you're one of those who raised your hand. This is the power of consistent prayer. Who in your life needs you to pray for them like somebody prayed for you? To pray and to ask and to keep on asking and to not quit asking until God answers. The power of persistent prayer, just consistently coming to God every day and asking honestly, simply, humbly. 
just asking God, can you hear me now? I, I believe the part of growing in prayer um, is just this essential habit of developing a, a consistent time of personal prayers. We talked about last week where we get off in a quiet place and we read our, our Bibles and allow God to speak to us. And maybe we write some things down and we talk to God in prayer. But don't forget as you do that, that prayer also needs to be an all-day kind of thing, that we should be cultivating an endless stream of communication with God, that we should be spending our days talking to God because he is with us. And when that happens, oh, it fills us with confidence. It fills us with peace. It gives us grace. It provides us with strength. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says, always be joyful. He says, never stop praying. He says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Are you someone who never quits praying? See, even when God doesn't answer your prayers like you hoped, something powerful is happening in you because you are talking to God. Do you remember the Apostle Paul's experience when he prayed uh, for God to take away some kind of physical ailment? We don't know what it was. Paul calls it a thorn in his flesh. And whatever it was, God didn't take it away. God didn't answer his prayer the way he asked. God just reassured him every day, Paul, guess what? My grace, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. My grace is enough, Paul. I read about a man this week, Christ follower in his 50s, who had been battling cancer for over six years. He had multiple myeloma cancer, a cancer that attacks all the bones in your body. And his friends had prayed for his healing hundreds of times. People around the country had heard of his illness and had prayed for him thousands of times. And who knows how many times that his family had prayed for him. And this man said that one day while he was praying, while he was asking God to heal him, he felt like God spoke and said this. He said, Roy, if your life were shortened, but your influence were multiplied, would you take that deal? And he said that he replied, yeah, God, I'd take that deal. And he said he felt like God was saying to him, my grace is going to be sufficient for you. See, when he had discovered he had cancer. The doctors gave him six months. And at the time that this story was told, he had been living for more than six years. And he had pain every single day. He's on all kinds of medication. But the consistent testimony of his family and his friends was that he was full of joy, that God was using him in a way that he never expected to help all kinds of people. He was experiencing the amazing grace and the, the powerful peace of God every day in his life because he was talking to God. He was praying. I want you to listen to Philippians Chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, such wonderful verses. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what? I think that there's someone sitting here right now, and God brought you here today to hear those two verses. 
And you need to take those verses home with you, and you need to begin praying those verses and believing those verses and allowing God to work in your life as you persistently pray. Be honest. Keep it simple. Come with humility. Never quit praying. One more. Number five. When you pray, wait actively. Wait actively. Kind of sounds like an oxymoron, right? How do you do that? Wait actively? I just have a real quick question for you right now. How many of you enjoy waiting? Would you like to raise your hand and share with the rest of us? I mean, when you fill out a job uh, resume, you know, where they ask you to list your strengths and weaknesses, or if someone asks you what you're really good at, is there anyone here who's ever said, I'm great at waiting? Now, I've always been good at waiting. I just love to wait. Anybody ever do that one? Anybody ever say, you know, when I'm going up to the toll booth and there's like six or seven cars are all coming together, I just slow down, let them all go. I don't mind. I just love to wait. I don't care how long it takes. And like if I go to Walmart and there's like a long line of people who are coming towards, they're all merging, you know, towards the checkout counter. I see them all coming. I just slow down. I let them go in front of me. I don't care. I love to wait. My favorite my favorite thing at Walmart is when I go through the express checkout line, 15 items or less, and there's somebody in front. They have 38 items in their cart. I counted them all. I don't care. Because I love to wait. And like after Christmas, I love to go to the store, and everyone takes their stuff back. And when they get in the line, they can't find their receipts. That's no problem. That's the best. I get to wait more. And then they get a credit card out, and it doesn't work. And then they, they'll try to write a check, and there's insufficient funds. And, and I just love to stand there because I love to wait. And I love to wait for elevators, too. I, I, I love to be next to that busy guy who keeps pushing that button, you know. <laughs> He thinks it make the elevator come faster, and I love it when it's stuck on floor 15, and you know it never moves, and I'm just standing there waiting to go. And I also love when I get into the elevator, and some little kid comes in, and he goes like this, and he <laughs> hits all the buttons, and now we get to stop at every floor, because I love to wait. Said no one ever. Nobody likes to wait, right? No one in the history of the world really likes to wait. And especially in America, we think that waiting means inactivity. We think that waiting means wasting my valuable time. But in the Bible, if you read it carefully, you will discover that God sees waiting as a very different thing. In fact, God sees waiting as an active thing. You might even write this down and think about it. Waiting on God in the Bible means that you keep moving through life while you rest in the assurance that God is at work answering your prayers. Let me say that again. Waiting on God means you keep moving through life while you rest in the assurance that God is at work answering your prayers. Some of you are saying, well, what does that look like? Let me give you a picture of what that looks like. Let me show it to you right now. That is a great picture of what it means to wait actively. Do you think that this woman has said, you know, for the next nine months, I think I'm just going to sit around and wait. No, she's on the move. She probably has two or three, you know, other kids she's trying to handle. She is taking her vitamins. She is going to the doctor. She is exercising. She is doing everything she should do as she waits for what she knows is coming. She doesn't just sit around and do nothing for nine months. What does that look like 
in a Christ follower's life. Well, look at what Psalm 37, verses three through seven says. Trust in the Lord and do good. And that word literally means to keep doing good. It's ongoing. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. In other words, whatever you're doing right now, just bloom where you're planted. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. A lot of people like to skip to the second half of that verse and say, God, just give me the desires of my heart. But God says, no, 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 you skip the first part. Delight yourself in me first. You know what happens when you delight yourself in the Lord, when you say, God, I just want to live for you. When you do that, have you ever noticed how the desires of your heart start changing? Have you ever noticed how the desires of God's heart starts They start becoming the desires of your heart. Have you ever noticed how when that happens, so much peace and joy and love, purpose starts coming into your life? Psalmist goes on to say, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And when it says that, it does not mean, okay, I've got a couple real key decisions to make. I think I'll lay down and take a nap. And then when I wake up, maybe God will have taken care of everything. It doesn't say that. Friends, let me just say this. Some of you are sleeping through some of the greatest spiritual moments in your life. To rest in God means that we actively link our lives with God's purposes and we really act every day like we believe he is at work, like we really believe he has a great plan for our lives, like we really believe he is going to bring to pass what he has for us. Waiting is an active thing. David, who is the author of this very honest prayer, later on in this Psalm, verse 34 of Psalm 37 writes this, Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you, giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. So waiting actively means that every day as we go to school, as we go to work, as we live with our families, as we do whatever it is that God calls us to do, we travel steadily along God's path. And with our lives, we say, God, I am trusting you in this moment. I am seeking to cultivate a life of faithfulness here by just moving ahead. I want to do the right thing, God, as I wait for you. And that could mean maybe that tomorrow as you're sitting in your office and you're saying, God, I got a big meeting at two o'clock and I need you with me there. Would you give me wisdom? Would you help me to be clear-headed and would you help me to be kind and focused? God, would you keep me aware that as I walk through that door that you are with me and Lord, whatever your plan for this meeting is, I give it to you, I trust you. And then you walk out after that meeting and you're just saying, God, thank you for being there with me and I'm not really totally sure how it went. But I know that whatever happens, I can trust you. And I want whatever you want to happen. Or maybe it means later tomorrow you're driving home from work and you're praying. You're saying, God, I'm a couple minutes from home and I love my family. God, thank you for my family. I, I just want to commit this evening to you, God. Would you give me the energy and would you give me the joy to be the kind of dad and be the kind of husband that you want me to be, that I need to be when I walk through that door? Or maybe it means 
you're in the pre-op room and you're saying, God, I'm going to go in for open heart surgery in a few minutes and I, I just want to let you know, God, whatever happens in my life, I know that my eternity is in your hands and so I am resting in you and I am trusting in you and I am receiving your peace. Or maybe it means that when you're on the front row there and you say, God, it's Sunday and I've got to get up there and speak to all these people and, and in those moments, God, I have nothing to say except what you want me to say. I, I have no wisdom apart from yours, God. I have no strength apart from what you will cause to flow through me. So my words, my thoughts, my motives, my ego, God, my life is all in your hands in this moment. Waiting actively it's just saying, God, wherever you've put me, as I wait for your answers, I will link my life with you. I will trust you. I will do the right thing. I will cultivate faithfulness. I will know that you are working in my life even when I cannot see it. And someday, God, I might get clear direction, but whenever it comes, if it ever comes, I will wait actively for you right now, and I will depend on you every single moment of every single day. You know what they say, uh, good things come to those who wait. Now, that's actually not in the Bible. But this is. It's in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 to 31. And it's a promise. It says, he, that's God, gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He gives strength to the weak. Even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Amen? I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but I just want to encourage you today, start praying. Start praying. If you've already been praying, then keep praying. And as you pray, just be honest and just keep it simple and just come with humility. And as you pray, don't ever quit. Just wait actively, trusting in God. And as you do what God says in his word about praying, you will be amazed how prayer takes on a whole new meaning in your life. I wanna invite you now to bow your heads and we're gonna to pray together as God's people. Ask God right now, would you, to speak to you, to tell you specifically what the one thing that he wants you to begin with today, where he's taught you, what he's speaking to you about. Just ask him right now. Maybe today you're sensing God's voice and you're hearing God saying to you, I love you more than you can imagine. And Lord, I... I just long to do life with you. And maybe you hear God saying, I see that big picture of your life and I love it so much when we start talking together. Maybe you're feeling like I don't even know how to begin. Well, that's actually a very great beginning just to say to God, God, I don't know where to start. If you feel like you don't know how to pray, just tell him, I don't know how to pray, God. You have no idea how much God honors a simple, honest, childlike prayer like that. 
Lord, you are so patient with us, so very, very kind. And so as we come before you as your people, we ask you, Father, would you teach us to pray? Wherever we are in our lives spiritually, Lord, we know that you can take us farther. And we desire, we long to know you in a deeper, more intimate way as our loving Heavenly Father. And so we ask you, teach us to pray. God, if there is anyone here right now and they've never entered into a relationship with you as Father, we simply ask as your people that you would open their eyes to you, that they would see your beauty, they would see your goodness, and that they would desire to know you. And so, Lord, even now, we pray, grant repentance, grant faith, grant salvation, the forgiveness of sins to those who turn from those sins. May we be a people who pray, a people who walk with you every day, Father. We ask these things now together as your people in the name of Jesus, your son, and all God's people say,